Good morning, and as we go ahead and pass along some of our festive vibes and cheerful energy to each and every one of you listening out there in podcast land today, I am reminding myself that I need to worry less about who is following me and more about where I'm going. Now let's go rock and roll this day. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. the morning to you folks this is the play hard work hard morning show in our kind of our makeshift edition here as we kind of roll out through summer summer edition sterling is with us of course and we've got a special guest on the line which we're going to fold in here right away couldn't sin it in a minute mr joe Sinnott of witting partners how you doing today i am doing all right fellas how about you guys you know it's uh sterling i don't know about you but uh I'm having a hard time making my way around the Dakotas because of this Canadian fog known as the smoke screen. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty bad. We have, uh, we have air pollution alerts on our phones and all kinds of different stuff. How are you guys doing in the Marcellus? Are you getting the Canadian clipper? We had some of that a couple weeks ago. We had our orange warnings or whatever the colors were. Yep. Not go outside and exercise. But, oh, that's uh, right. You, you live in the future, so you got it before us. <laughs> But uh, today, as we speak, uh, I can actually see uh, a decent distance without some, some random fog in my way. So, uh, no, air, air is good here in Pittsburgh today. Well, before we get into the meat of today's topic, which is going to be sustainable leadership as the big cruise shift comes to a conclusion and we're starting to see what the new industry looks like, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, like I said, sustainable leadership, but uh, I'd like to get a update in the Marcellus as long as we got Mr. Joe Sinnott on because you're uh, located. Are you in Pittsburgh or are you in one of the suburbs of Pittsburgh? I am. I have a mailing address of Pittsburgh. I'm not within the city limits, <laughs> but uh, just about six miles to downtown as the crow flies. So okay. I am. So boots uh, on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's and it. I used to do a magazine in Washington, Pittsburgh, PA, Washington, PA, which is, uh, is that southwest of Pittsburgh or southeast? That is south and a little bit west. So you have, okay. uh, yeah, that's yeah. A, and and certainly Washington County with its its neighbor to the south, Greene County. That is very much the hub of the Marcellus here in, in western Pennsylvania. Yes, I do remember that. There was a lot of that activity, of course, being from the agriculture side of things. That that's where one of the first times where my eyes got opened up to, you know, honestly, not to you know get into it right now, but uh, it was that trip to Pittsburgh. When we were doing the magazines out there in, in Washington, Pennsylvania, uh, went to PNC Park. Great park, by the way. Um, that whole little area down there with Heinz Field and the Pittsburgh Pirates, PNC. I don't know what it's called now, but uh, the park and all that it stuff. wasn't what you expected, was it? Oh, it was in Pittsburgh. It's, yeah. I felt like my teachers lied to me. <laughs> I, that was one of, that was one of yeah. those examples where I honestly felt like I was lied to. You pictured probably smokestacks, billowing toxic Absolutely. heavy metal into the, you like, know, 
dirty Cleveland, right? right yeah, right. you know that kind of. There's stuff. a clean and, Cleveland. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but uh, Joe, I mean, do, do do you understand what I'm talking about? Because I would imagine that kind of ticked off Pittsburgh for a long time. You guys had an. Uh, well, to the tune, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, the steel industry and just kind of that. Was was that an issue? Do you remember growing up at all? Or where are you from, I guess, originally? Well, I'm from a state that probably has an even worse reputation. I'm from New Jersey. Oh. So <laughs> I'm, I'm used to people designating us as, as dirty and unclean and uh, whatever other you want to throw at us. So Yeah, and, that, and that's a, just a your politicians. Native. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but I can say, you know, now having been here, well, gosh, almost... 13 years now. Oh. Um, I mean, it, there is a lot of pride in what the city has done to clean itself up. I mean, from, from the air and I mean, the sights and the sounds. I mean, it's just, it is a tremendous city. And again, we'll, we'll plug the natural gas industry. Much of our cleaner air is due in part or, or largely in part to natural gas and, you know, pushing out some of the, the dirtier burning coal, if you will. Um, but just in general, you know, the influx of, of natural gas and the use of natural gas has made the environment cleaner and greener and, and uh, you know, a better place to live. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of pride in that because, yeah, most people, uh, I would think, you know, decades ago had that impression mm-hmm. of Pittsburgh. And, you know, as far as I could tell, it was it was spot on. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite the, the transition here, and, and it's something that, I think all of southwestern Pennsylvania is proud of, and, and certainly me, having worked in the industry, is you know, uh, you know, exceptionally uh, proud of. So, you know, that's one thing that the Pennsylvania's I think has done a very good job of is using the different industries, especially the fossil fuel industry, to really become leaders in innovation. I know Penn State is one of the leaders in the nation when it comes to so many different uh, clean, clean carbon or clean energy innovations in addition to what they, you know, they're doing on the health side of things as well. But um, t- talk to me a little bit about some of the business side of things as well, because I know last time we had kind of our Marcellus, uh, our Marcellus crew on, I guess, the four or five correspondents that we like to lean on out there. It was during the Cabot oil and gas merger. And so that was a big deal. You know, that was, is there anything still happening there? And are there any other, you know, news items that we should take note of out there in the Marcellus? Nothing from an M&A standpoint as big as the Cabot News from a couple months ago uh, or the EQT acquisition of Alta Resources also a couple months ago. Um, but all of those companies did just have you know, their earnings releases like the rest of the country. So you know, definitely some, you know, some tidbits and insights to, to pour through there. I think as far as Cabot that you just mentioned, Cabot continues to to click along and you know uh, do well and i think probably the biggest news from cabot is that they announced on friday that they're going to be ticking up their production numbers in q3 and q4 so you know it's a little bit different story from a lot of the other companies that are very uh i don't say content but you know very public about their intentions to you know stay flat not grow production and cabot came out and said look um one we have some increased uh, capacity. There were some infrastructure projects there that are coming online. But two, hey, look at these prices. Why wouldn't we grow production if we could? So, um, so that was some some interesting news out of Cabot just from last week um, to kind of uh, maybe uh, maybe deviate a little bit from some of the other companies here locally uh, in the oil and gas space that that had their uh, you know, earnings releases. So, so I guess that's that's one tidbit there from the northern part of the state. Um, have they decided on if it's going to be Cabot Oil and Gas or is Simerex going to get there? Is it Simerex? Is that how you pronounce it? Is that right? 
It is Simrex, and to the best of my knowledge from, at least one from everything that came out initially, is that this is supposed to be some brand new integrated entity, which I would assume means... You know, a different name. I think you know, bigger presence in Houston versus um, you know some of the presence that Simrex had out west, and, and obviously that Cabot has here in Pennsylvania. So my understanding is that that if that all holds true, it'll be a different name. But uh, that was where that no, was my understanding too, because I do remember reading that with uh, a couple journalists out in the Marcellus, and that's what we had come to conclusion too was that um, the way it was positioned was it was a, a merger, not a takeover, and it was uh, you know they were gonna come out with a new name from the way it sounded anyways but uh that was you know this was back in may so um i'm curious to see if that because i just keep hearing cabot's name and i know and so i just <laughs> well we we we've been sort of looking out for consolidation right yeah well and, and a lot of people are a lot honestly if they're coming out with a new name well that you know for for you know pariahs like me in the media mm-hmm. you know us, us media jackals Oh, that's that's actual business for us because they got to rebrand, right? So they so, reset, yeah. The image. So, yeah. hey, you know, after you go give ninety percent of your budget to the, you know, the usual suspects, we got to go fight for our crumbs, man. <laughs> so a new name that that you know, designers get new, uh, yeah. you know, new graphics, new logos. It's, oh yeah, that's a whole economy. Yeah, when a. When what was it? A seventeen billion dollar merger happens and a new name comes out of it. Right. You, you bet that's yeah. Its, own it's more than just new stationery. <laughs> oh, they got to hire guys like Joe to go in and teach the new corporate culture too. Hey, this is a good segue into what you do because I would imagine with all these M and As and all these corporate you know buyouts and restructuring, man, this is an ample opportunity for you to get hired or people to be alerted about the types of things that you do i mean this is the this is like where you make hay right uh, theoretically yeah, yeah theoretically a, yeah a, <laughs> yeah i mean if when you have when you have companies that are going through transitions and especially when you're merging talent uh this is very much the time to you know figure out what talent you have and try to get the most out of it which is i mean in a nutshell what i do so well let's talk uh, about that a little bit because you know that's really the meat of what we're going to talk about which is some leadership styles and kind of sustainable leadership uh one of the emails that we got in you know periodically is is what's known as crab bucket uh leadership that's where there's a leader that just will not empower people he will not let people advance and the crab bucket leadership comes from if you put one crab in a bucket, that crab will find its way out of the bucket. If you put a group of crabs in there, they will not allow each other to get out. And this is an actual true phenomenon they'll of nature. Keep fighting. They, well, one will come close to get out, and then they'll all, right. all pull it down. Right. They, they actually work together to keep everybody down in their own misery. That's a Japanese reality show. I've seen it. Oh, to- right. It's yeah. yeah, it's like Double Dare on steroids, right? <laughs> depressed. And so <laughs> it's like depressed Double Dare. Right. Uh, so Joe, have you heard of this, you know, this leadership? It's been called other things too, but the uh, the crab bucket leadership is is what the popular term is called and you know, if if you if you've got that in your workplace, that can be really dangerous because it's almost like a passive-aggressive style of leadership. Uh, Joe, okay, I'm going to fold you in because you're the expert on this. Uh, help me out and PC it a little bit more than my abrupt abrasiveness. <laughs> well, I, I think you know 
to start off, the crab bucket thing, I, I've heard that, and again, as you said, there's a million different iterations, and most of the time, it comes down to communication. So it's not just, you know, literally, you know, snipping at people's head, uh, heels with their, your claws, but, you know, it's nine times out of ten. It's the way these leaders communicate or don't communicate with their employees or, or with their peers or even with their superiors, and, you know, that's, you know, by far, the number one thing that I work with people on is just, you know, being a little bit more conscious of those times where, yeah, you're you're contributing to that, you know, crab bucket culture, um, and it's mostly due to the words that you're speaking or or, or putting in emails or or whatever you know communications you're using. So, uh, so yeah, this is a a major topic. I don't think it's going away anytime soon, and I think going back to what we just said a couple minutes ago. With all of the consolidation that's happening, it's going to be absolutely critical that leaders are communicating in a way that you know doesn't <laughs> doesn't screw themselves over, doesn't screw the company over, doesn't screw the stakeholders over, because it's it's so so easy to do these days. So, um, yeah, happy to go you know go down whatever path you want there, but uh, but yeah, this is a, a a very hot topic for sure. Well, yeah, and and especially right now, as people are you know every time I hear about a merger. I, I, I do get a little bit sad because that generally means about 20% minimum of the staff are going to get laid off. And wh- whatever they say out of the gate, okay, great, but it just seems like the end result is about 20% get laid off because you don't need two accounting departments. You don't need two marketing departments. You, you know, there's certain, there's certain departments redundancies, that... Redundancies. Yeah, there's yeah. redundancies. You know, when Pawnee... And Eagleton, merged towns, you don't need two Ron Swansons. Right. You already got one Ron Swanson. You don't need a Sam Elliott one, right? So there's a redundancy issues. And, you know, Joe, how do you deal with that? Because when, when, I, when I was in radio, um, I'll, I'll be honest, guys like you would get hired as consultants to come in and be the bad guys to come in and basically audit employees and all these other things, but they want to get rid of a talent. They have the consultant right. write up a bad review. Justify just, your oh, value. totally, man. Yeah. So, you know, they, they could be hired as hitmen. They could be hired as change agents. They can be hired as adhesive units. I like to look at, you know, what guys like Joe do because Joe is a sustainable leadership. That's why we have him on the program. He's looking at ways to keep your leaderships to be sustainable, not to be the hired hitman or anything like right. that. So, um, Joe, how, how do you, when you go into a, a place and let's say they got the crab bucket, you know, let's talk about the next steps. You know, it's communication issues. Okay, so are we going to sit down with the person with the, you know, the, how do we identify the crab bucket, I guess? And, you know, talk about some of those steps for employees listening that want to know what the next step is so you can get in there and help them out. Yeah, well, the first thing, and again, I'll keep using this consolidation example. When companies are going through this, all of these big changes, the first thing is to make sure that leaders are telling the truth. I know that seems simple, right? I mean, we learned that when we're you know six, seven years old is <laughs> tell the truth. That's it. You know, don't lie. But um, it's amazing where it, it, these things spiral out of control. And when you have you know consultants and they're trying to massage the messages, and you know they're using the word synergies instead of what you guys just said, which is redundancies, layoffs. We don't need two of the same people. You know, synergy sounds nice, but you know at this point in the you know in the uh, the, the rampant consolidation wave that we're going to continue seeing, I mean, most people cringe at the word. So one, don't beat around the bush. Like um, I, I think it was actually some town halls when. You know, the, the Cabot Simrex thing was announced and, and the transcripts of those went public. You know, there were some rather 
blunt comments from leadership, I think it was on, on Simrex's end, you know, that said, hey, look, you know, we're going to be closing offices. We're going to be doing these things most likely. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't come out of the gate and, and you know, just try to, to um, uh, tread lightly. They came out and said, look, I mean, this is the reality, whether you like it or not. And, and I'll tell you what, from a sustainability standpoint, that's that's a good thing. You 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 don't want people being dragged along and and being uncertain and making up yeah. their own stories yeah. because that is going to cause harm. So that that's the first thing is being upfront. And yeah. then something related to that is when the time inevitably does come to sever ties with people or hold apartments or whatever the case might be, um, make sure you're you're leading with with appreciation and gratitude and all those things. And again, it seems like common sense. It seems like those would be the things you would do. Um, but I'll tell you. Too many companies, they mess that up. They mess that offboarding piece up. And sometimes it's as simple as, as a couple words, you know, in a, in an offboarding meeting uh, that stick with not just the people that left, but word always gets back to the people that remained. And you yeah. don't want the people that remained thinking that they're working for a bunch of numbskulls or crabs <laughs> or whatever the case might be, because again, that's not sustainable. You, you spent millions of dollars on this, you know, integration and trying to do it right and. At the, the last moment, there's some very simple things that people screw up, and and again, it lingers within the company for far longer than than any leader would like. So, so those are the first couple of things I'd say specific to again the inevitability of of mergers and acquisitions that we're going to continue seeing in the industry. Yeah, I imagine you know ambiguity you know in a workforce leads to a decrease in you know productivity across you know across all the spectrum basically, where you've got people wondering what the future is. You know, I think if you're straight with people, I mean, again, that common sense thing, it seems to sort of get tossed out the window when you start layering bureaucracy. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, the positive morale and attitude of the worker is kind of important as well, right? Whether you're offboarding, which I imagine uh, means you're, you're firing them, basically, you're letting them go, right? Yeah and, yeah, and again, it's, I mean, it's a somewhat of a of a euphemistic term, but sure. you know, but the but the implication is especially when you have bigger layoffs is that you know the company has had time to to do it right and they can provide extra resources and again communicate better um, in a way that leaves people feeling like, hey, look, this is business, right? Because mm-hmm. it is. But there's a time and a place to say this is a business. I understand. I mean, there's some there's some real bad times to uh, <laughs> to do that, and uh, unfortunately, I mean, you know, anecdotes abound of of times where you say, ah, it's okay, you know, it's nothing personal, you know. This is just the business when you know what you know somebody's given 10 15 years of their life to a company to a certain extent it is personal and to just to completely you know dismiss all of that in a in a you know five minute meeting in some cases by saying you know it's just business um true as that might be you're causing a lot more damage that can be you know can be avoided so did you say offboarding is that the word Offboarding, yes. That's that's the new word for terminate or resign, let go, or whatever whatever it might be. Okay, all right. Downsizing that was for a while. I well, guess. it sounds like maybe that's like more for you know when you're doing those large scale shifts, basically. Right, know, you're shedding. You're it's shedding. Just, yeah, it's just different. You know, for me, yeah. me being well, like the word, you said, euphemism. You know, me being the wordsmith, I got to pay attention to these <laughs> types of things because that's um, you know that's that's what actually what I get. Paid that's why we to pay do. the big bucks. Um, well, let's talk. Let's go to the next level here on this because, uh, really, what we're talking about with the crab mentality is, you know, when you identify that leader, so often, and this is true with a lot of leadership styles that that go south is, is you're dealing with a narcissist in the workplace, and Sterling's nodding his head, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've dealt with your share of narcissists in the workplace because, yep. quite honestly. 
they're made for the workplace. Yeah, somehow they float to the top. Yeah, they do. And then, and then you know, and sometimes that's good, but then there's a certain level where it's time to offboard or yeah. time to move on or whatever the case might be, you know. And so, um, Joel, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, we're coming from one one change to another in terms of even the mood of the country you know i mean it's like a -a whack-a-mole right now with esg changing regulations you know just these well for so long your life was based on opportunity and now your life is based on networking you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it's like almost that sea of social change is coming but what, what i'm trying to get across to a lot of the leadership right now joe is that when when you put the new people in and I'm noticing a lot of them aren't really new, and that's that's a problem. But when you put the new people in, they need to understand, and this is me, my opinion. So this is I'm going to be very upfront about this. Okay. This is my opinion. That social change does not happen at a gala or on the golf course. You got you to get in on the bootstraps on the ground floor mm-hmm. to create social change. And by putting out a Barbie with a new hat... But you can't really say that today because that's offensive to to the female revolution. So I'll say the other example, which is just because you serve chicken one day and then a pot chicken pot pie the next day and then chicken fingers the next day, you're still giving me chicken. Right. It's just repackaged. It's decoration. Right. That's Barbie with a new hat. You know, mm-hmm. every year they come out with a new Barbie, but it's just really the same Barbie with a new hat. Oh, shoot. Beer. So, yeah, I mean... Beer companies are coming out with cans that tell us if it's cold. You think we're at the end of beer technology? So if you're in leadership that's in charge of selecting new leadership and you just fell for the narcissist crab bucket leadership, you got to learn your lesson too. Yeah. So, hey, Joe, do you understand the layers that we're talking about here? <laughs> I understand the layers, and there's one uh, borehole that drills through all of them, and that is a lack of feedback. I mean, it is... So who okay so how, how do we get the feedback loop going because you know let's let's just take BP or Shell or Exxon or you know whoever and you can anybody listening you can do the you know r- relativity size difference but now we got people working from home so the communication is even more fragmented and it's it's even more kind of uh, uh, judgmental and controlled so Let's talk about that feedback loop a little bit from either the corporate side or the small business side, because I would imagine at the end of the day, we're talking about the same themes. Yeah, we are. And, and I think one quick, I don't say quick fix, but, but one thing that a lot of companies miss is that the feedback loop in the process doesn't have to lean just on some formal process that a lot of companies implement or try to implement, but it's really giving leaders the power to take advantage of those small opportunities to provide feedback. So it's, you know, after a Zoom call, you know, picking up the phone and just saying, hey, can we just talk, you know, talk for five minutes about how that call went? Or, you know, if you're in an in-person setting, you know, that walk to the, you know, to the, to the coffee pot, you know, those are perfect <laughs> opportunities to give, you know, true authentic feedback that in many cases is better than the, you know, quarterly or worst case annual, yeah. you know, feedback, sit down meetings. reviews. Where, well, that's it. So it's, it's again, I mean, some of that is a cultural piece, but a lot of it is just telling existing leaders to stop being scaredy cats. And, you know, they might be the biggest narcissists in the world, but a lot of times there's a lot of fear attached to that. And they're the same people that are, are hesitant to, one, give feedback to their own colleagues or their own, you know, their, their direct reports, um, let alone receive feedback from others. So giving them permission to say, look, give feedback, 
um, you know, provide good, honest uh, assessments of where people are at. And again, take advantage of those small opportunities. You don't have to wait for some formal meeting. You can do this almost every day, and that's going to have a lot more power. And you know, then when it comes time to identify who those new leaders are and to make sure that you know the the people that you're describing aren't the ones that make their way to the top. You're going to have a, a lot better sense throughout the company of who's the real deal, if you will, and, and who has the, the you know true potential, and you know those who will really just have a, a facade and and have you know done all the things at the surface level to to get where they were. So, again, uh, it's we could talk for an hour about specific logistical things companies can do and implement, and certainly some of the you know services I provide touch on you know more formalized feedback loops and 360 degree feedback is is all the rage. But at the end of the day, giving individual leaders the power to just communicate openly and honestly without fear of pissing people off or pissing HR off, and I mean that's companies of any size that can get to that point have a huge advantage over those who realize they have a problem and then spend all of their time, money, and energy trying to implement systems that are, in many cases, not sustainable and, and are going to be replaced in a couple of years anyway. And typically really top-down heavy in my limited corporate experience, you know, when they, when they, you know, it's like a knee-jerk reaction, whereas what you're describing to me sounds like more organic, you know, you, that's the way you establish a culture, right? As you make it that conversation on the way to the to the coffee break, as opposed to, you know, oh, I've got my performance review coming up next week, type of thing, you know, where it's a, just a checkbox. Yeah, you're spot on, Sterling, and and I'll add to that that the cultural change, though, as cliche as this sounds also starts at the top because it is amazing, uh, you know, the industries or the I should say the companies that I've worked with, you know. Even at the very top, they might speak about transparency and openness and all these types of things. But then when it comes to giving feedback, even at the highest levels, many cases they don't do it. And again, you could say it's fear. You can, you can, you know, you, you could dive into the reasons why. But if they're not the ones providing open and honest feedback to, you know, those who have ascended the ranks, then how the heck do you expect some, you know, rank and file line manager? Um, to be doing that on a day to day basis when, you know, you know maybe that's, that's why need. narcissists rise to the top because they're more, you know, I think most people, in spite of what they might be like online, don't like direct face to face confrontation or, or prefer to avoid it if they can. But, you know, my experience with narcissists is no, they'll whip you with the words anytime. So, boom, that gets results. A right? lot of it, and, and the reason they do well in business because they keep moving ahead yeah. for their personal, yeah. for their personal satisfaction. Um, some of the, I just pulled up a, website here that uh, talks about crab mentality and crab leadership and just so some of you have an idea that you know we're kind of talking about it from my opinion came from the narcissist side is that listen to this uh traits of somebody who's fallen into the crab mentality inordinate pride over their own accomplishments negative comments or attitudes when others succeed all their positivity is designated for themselves, not others. They blame others for their failures, not themselves. They view colleagues as competition. They rarely or never show compassion. They'd rather talk about people than ideas or solution. So those are very much traits of a narcissist. Wouldn't you agree, Joe? Yeah, that that's to a T, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh... And that's not that is not going to fly in any setting. I mean, outside of business or, or you know whatever organization you're a part of or within a family. I mean, it's just 
you know, it's it's laughable to think that that approach is going to achieve sustained results. Well, and this is one of the reasons why we want to talk about this because you know we're talking about the ESG and and sustainability and all these new buzzwords. Well, some of this is designed to flush out these types of workplaces that exist. And, you know, whether you, you like it or lump it or think it's the best thing ever, um, it, it's happening. And so, folks, this is, you know, people that are working in places do not want to experience this. And they've got now the momentum to make change happen. And again, social change is not happening at the galas or golf courses anymore. It's just not. Social change is happening out in the streets. It's happening, you know, at at the the grassroots events. Um, that's where you're starting to see it. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, I think you're right, and and I think one of the things that some companies are embracing is you know one of the ways to to you know flush away some of these bad actors and and those who have this this crab mentality is by setting standards or I should say metrics that you know that that start to reveal some of those things right i mean you can you can say that you know the most uh, again we'll keep throwing narcissistic but you know the worst leader the most uh, uh, you know biggest a hole of a leader out there if he or she is achieving bottom line results and the stock price is fine then you know what we're going to look the other way or we're going to excuse it or we're going to look at the big picture or something you know again euphemistic like that mm-hmm. But when you start looking at some of those leading indicators as far as, you know, turnover and, you know, company morale, you know, companies do surveys and things like that. When you start looking at that, you know, you start seeing things that, again, are going to point to some unsustainable results. And who does that point back to? Who should it point back to? The leaders. So that is one way to, you know, address some of this instead of just, you know, this somewhat subjective, ah, he's a jerk or he's self-centered, you know, that – that could be tough to define sometimes, but you know, companies more and more are are trying to find real metrics to say, yeah, he is a narcissistic jerk, and he's leading our company into the ground, even if it doesn't look like that, you know, from from an outside investor standpoint. You know, and I'm I'm kind of looking at the clock here, and I'm I'm thinking that if I if I fold this over into the next topic, it'll it'll go another hour. So the next time that you come on, um, the one thing I would like to talk about is the next level of this conversation, which is. Okay, so let's say you work for a narcissist or there's a narcissist in, 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 in the leadership role. Can that narcissist change? So are, are, is it just the culture or is it the person? Because that, 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 you could have a very good leader with just a change of the culture and they're no longer a narcissist. They're just, right. you know what I mean Being by that? Being enabled maybe by right, policies. Right. And yeah, yeah. And, and Joe, you, that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's fair to say, and again, it's a fair question. It's a common question. You know, is is can everybody be coached, if you will? And you know, uh, spoiler alert for the next time we chat. No, <laughs> not, <laughs> not every person can be coached or fixed or or turned into you know the the right leader at, at you know any given company. So, uh, but yeah, happy happy to dive into that in a little more detail on uh, a future conversation. Couple more things in the crab mentality. So I, I just w- Wikipedia here. I wanted just to kind of look it up real quick. Uh, the analogy in human behavior is claimed to be that members of a group will attempt to reduce the self-confidence of any member who achieves success beyond the others out of envy, resentment, spite, conspiracy, or competitive feelings to halt their progress. And in 19, and I'm sorry, in 2015, there was a study done in New Zealand on this 
Crab mentality affects performance in an, in an organization as humans have uh, a, behave in a similar manner as crabs, particularly within social teams. The impact of crab mentality on performance was quantified by a New Zealand study in 2015, which demonstrated that up to 18% average exam result improvement for students when their grades were reported in a way that prevented others from knowing their position in published rankings. So when they took away the crab, crab bucket mentality, yeah. about a 20% increase in productivity and intelligence. So it really does, it sounds like, you know, the company sets the expectation. That's sort of the first yeah, thing, Yeah, right? and, and to me, what I always took, hey, Joe, and, and you can go whatever direction you want on this, but what, what I always, I guess, took in with crab mentality when I became a parent was I try very hard to not have a judgmental house for my son meaning that if my son swears i don't yell at him you know i I want him to feel that he has the freedom to really grow in certain areas that you know if he if he's going to cause some harm or have safety issues or disrespectful we get into it that way but i'm pretty pretty liberal on a lot of the ways because I believe that if you're if you grow up in a house of judgment, it really limits a lot of your your creativity and your mm-hmm. growth overall. Yeah, I think so. And that's really my problem with the crab bucket mentality in a workplace is it just limits everything from creativity to what that whole list was, you know, just everything that goes yeah. along with it. So um, anyway, I just wanted to fold in the family a little bit on that too because you know it can happen in your house too as well. But we're not here to talk about that, I guess. But, so. <laughs> Um, Joe, what advice do you have for those people? Let's kind of wrap up with the advice and, and get people uh, thinking about how to identify, become aware, and if there is a problem, what, what what's the next steps? So I think your family example is perfect because you know not having a, a judgmental house, if you will, for Otis has plenty of perks, but being mindful of the flip side of that, you're going to give Otis feedback and tell him if he's on a path to to ruin, right? I mean, you're you're gonna, you know, whatever analogy you want to use there. Um, but oh, I'll I'll give you the swearing one. The swearing yeah. one's a perfect example. I've told him this before. I said, okay, that word you can say in the house, but when you leave the house, you can't say it. Yeah, that that word is not allowed in public because it's disrespectful to people outside of this house i said here i don't care actually i said i don't give a shit just to just to you know go with the fact that we were swearing just to show him i didn't care but uh anyway sorry didn't mean to interrupt joe no so so interrupting people is also something that again you can test it out in the house but you want to make sure when you get out into the public world you try to avoid it so but no and i I think that's a narcissist quality too (laughs) no but in all seriousness, one, it's appropriate to do when you have somebody that tends to ramble on and on like me. So you need to you know, find a time and a place. But two, uh, and, and again, just to wrap up everything we've talked about already, sometimes it's or usually it's pretty obvious when somebody fits all the description that you laid out for that, that crab mentality, that crab approach. But my advice for anyone in any industry at any level is to ask yourself if the people around you, especially those who are leading you, if they might be, you know, holding back things that could help you. And, you know, if they might not even be aware that they're damaging you and they're causing just as much harm to you and to the organization by, again, not giving you that feedback, by, you know, by letting you, uh, you know, go off into the world and, and, you know, 
jump into a, a 10-foot pool when, when they know you can't swim, whatever the case might be, and, and you know, acknowledging the benefits of the sink or swim approach at times. But you know, the reality is there's a lot of people who are unwittingly you know, damaging your odds of success, and you know, they might not even realize it, or they do realize it, and you know, it's just a more subtle way of you know, uh, exercising that crab mentality. So ask yourself, are the people around you, you know, helping you get better? Are they, are they asking you questions to, to make sure that you're growing and developing? Because if not, you know, they might be the worst kind of crabs, which are the ones that are, you know, they, they've, they've had their, uh, their, their pinchers chopped off, but, you know, they're equally dangerous and equally toxic to you. So, so that's my final piece of advice is just, again, ask yourself if you might be surrounded by crabs, even if it's, if it's not as, uh, as obvious as, as some, some of them are. I swear, next time we'll, we'll have a different, different, different style that doesn't make you end with. So the next time you have crabs, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> that's just as you were just kind of going Hey, that's going to that. gonna stick with somebody. <laughs> They'll remember that, if nothing else. <laughs> Be like, crabs? yeah, that guy's <laughs> a crab guy. <laughs> oh, we might have to do some editing on this interview, but don't like word. Oh, boy, that's something else. Uh, Joe, how can it's it's Witting Partners, W I T T I N G, Partners. Uh, but who is your customer, and how can people get in touch with you? Customer is energy companies who are looking to extract the most potential from their existing and future leaders, and wittingpartners.com or good old LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. You know, one of the things that we're doing as we kind of wrap up here a little bit is is you know we, we got the earth champion and we're going out and engaging with people of all walks of life and and one of the things that we're telling people is that engage with respect show respect and then deserve the respect of others so it's it's really it's more than just a one a one op you you got to have multiple different angles to go at it and so I bring that up for people listening out there because what Joe can do is he can come in and help your organization and almost like project manage some of those intangibles that do exist. And right now, as we enter into this new world that we have where, you know, we're talking about, you know, you're, you're just the social change is such mm-hmm. a huge part of where we're at. There's so many intangibles that I don't think the scientific energy industry understands that exists out there. And that's why, you know, the climate activists have been able to do what they've been able to do <laughs> because they, they got, they got such, so much control of the intangible side of things. So um, just to, I wanted to give you a little plug because I, for me, anytime there's a thought worker, an intangible worker out there, I got to like point it out because it's hard for Americans to understand that, that this intangible side of business has really kind of got the bull right now. It's not the bear, it's the bull. Joe, did you did did you follow me on that? I followed you. I, I appreciate the plug, and uh, and I agree wholeheartedly. Well, all right then. So, uh, you got the website, you got the LinkedIn, you got the uh, social media, the whole deal. All right. So, in conclusion, let's give yourself a uh, definition of sustainable leadership, so people can know what they're looking for. Sustainable leadership, simply put, is being able to move yourself and your organization forward and achieve the results that you and your stakeholders expect you to achieve uh, in a way that doesn't unwittingly cause you to flame out, burn out, or come down with a, a case of crabs that can be you know, difficult to remove.
Mike and the fine folks at MyPillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS, that's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing Energize specials. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's Chewy Paws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. 